Simon, Simon, behold, Satan demanded to have you, that he might sift you like wheat. But I have prayed for you, that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. Peter said to him, Lord, I am ready to go with you, both to prison and to death. Jesus said, I tell you, Peter, the rooster will not crow this day until you have denied me three times. Now, men, excuse me, then they seized him and led him away, bringing him into the high, high priest's house. And Peter was following at a distance. And when they had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard and sat down together, Peter sat down among them. Then a servant girl, seeing him as he sat in the light and looking closely at him, said, This man also was with him. But he denied it, saying, Woman, I do not know him. And a little later, someone else saw him and said, You also are one of them. But Peter said, Man, I am not. And after an interval of, what, of about an hour, another man also said, Certainly this man was with him. For he too is a Galilean. But Peter said, Man, I do not know what you are talking about. And immediately, while he was still speaking, the rooster crowed, and the Lord turned and looked at Peter. And Peter remembered the saying of the Lord, how he had said to him, Before the rooster crows today, you will deny me three times. And he went and wept bitterly. Please pray with me. Lord, just thank you for today and... Just bringing us all here into your house, God, that we can learn um, how to apply Peter to our lives, God. It's so fitting. Um, we are, we're all like Peter, God. We, we try to do what we know you want us to do, God, but we, we fail. But we know that you love us, God, and you always bring us back to you. And I pray that you open our hearts to this word that we're about to hear, that we can take it this week and truly live out your word. Pray all of this in your precious son's name. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for sharing that. Good morning. Hope everybody's had a great week. We are continuing our series surrounding the cross. And this is week two in looking at another person that was there in the midst. Last week we began somberly on Judas, the betrayer. And this week, we move to one of the other disciples, Peter, who unfortunately will be called this morning the denier. You know, the Apostle Peter's denial of Jesus is one of the most well-known passages and events in all of the Bible. And if you think about it, it really took place in just a few hours. In just a few Hours, Peter goes from the mountaintop, the highest of heights, ready to defend Jesus to the death. And then within just a few hours, he will find himself at the lowest of his lows, denying that he even knew who Jesus was. It reminds me of being on a roller coaster. As you go up to that top, top level, the highest of that peak, looking out far and wide, and then in just seconds, down at the bottom with all that comes. You know, Peter is not the only one who has denied Jesus. 
He certainly is the one that we will focus on today, but he is not unique. Because in his experience and in his life, we learn something that is applicable to every one of us. Now, if you still have your Bibles out, Luke chapter 22 is our main text, as you have heard it read. And I would invite you just to keep your Bibles open as we will live primarily in Luke 22, but we will touch in a few of the other Gospels, just as we did last week, to get a full picture of what took place. And I like sometimes to give a map of the message so you know exactly where we're going. There are just three stops this morning. I want to look first at Jesus's prediction, followed by Peter's declaration, and then we're going to take some time with his denial and ultimately finish with what happens at the cross. So to set the stage in Luke chapter 22, so that you are familiar with what's happening, these are the disciples in the upper room with Jesus celebrating the Passover meal. This is the Thursday night of Holy Week. Palm Sunday, he entered Jerusalem for the last time. Good Friday will be Jesus's death on the cross. This is Thursday evening. And as we learned last week, Judas has already left the room to go and do what he had prepared to do in bringing Jesus under arrest. But there is still words that Jesus has to give his disciples, things he wants them to know and to be prepared for. He has spent time that evening explaining to them that he's going to leave and that he's going to send his spirit and that they will be under a period of testing. And then, at some point, he turns to Simon Peter. Trying to explain all that will happen, he has something for Peter in a prediction, in a word to him, that we will certainly see as a punch in the gut. Verse 31, he turns to Simon Peter, one of his truest disciples, and he says, Simon, Simon, he gets his attention, he calls him by name, He says, Satan has asked to sift you like wheat. I mean, how devastating, how shocking to hear from Jesus among all the disciples, among the 11 that remain in the room. Simon, Simon, I got something for you. You're about to be sifted by the enemy himself. And you got to think, I mean, Simon is the fisherman. He's the one who was called the fisher of men. He is Peter, Petros, the rock. He's the one that at times will be kind of the leader of the disciples. He's sometimes the the captain of the crew. He's the, the champion of the team. He's the one that has been with Jesus this entire time and will often be the one who kind of speaks first and thinks later. We know it's Simon who... Jesus actually healed his mother-in-law in in his own home. I mean, a miracle took place in Simon's home. His mother-in-law was healed by Jesus. We know it was Simon who, when Jesus asked, who do you say that I am? It's Simon who says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus, in response to that confession, says, Simon, son of Jonah, Flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but but my Father who is in heaven. Divine revelation has come to Simon. I mean, it's Simon Peter who, when they're on the boat and he sees Jesus walking on the water, it's Simon who says, Lord, call me to you. And 
Peter gets out of the boat and walks on the water like Jesus is walking on the water. I mean, Simon Peter has been in all of these main events. He's had all of these moments with Jesus. And now Jesus is saying to him, Simon, Satan has asked to sift you like wheat, to test you, to truly put you under attack. Jesus responds that he's even had to pray for Simon. Verse 32, but I have pleaded for you. In prayer, oh, Simon, that your faith should not fail. I mean, can you imagine if you heard Jesus saying, yeah, I've been praying for you. Like you specifically, by name. And we all like to hear when maybe a brother or sister in the faith comes to us and says, you know, man, Shane, God's just really been laying on you on my heart. It's really been praying for you. Man, that feels good. Oh, thank you. Thank you for praying for me. Thank you for lifting me up before the Lord. But what if they added, you know, Shane, I've just really been praying for you because I'm pretty sure you're about to fail in your faith. I mean, that doesn't feel so good. It doesn't feel so encouraging. Jesus says to him, Simon, I have pleaded in prayer for you that your faith should not fail. But then he goes on and describes the failure. He describes that it's actually not just something he's praying for, but that it's going to happen. He says in verse 32, the second half, so when you have repented and turned back to me again, strengthen your brothers. He's not just praying for him. He's letting him know the outcome. Peter, you're about to fail. You're about to fall flat. You're about to deny me. And I've prayed for you, Simon. I've pleaded for you. And you're going to need to repent. You're going to need to turn back. You're about to be sifted. You're about to be tested. And you're not going to succeed in this test. You are going to fail at it. My friends, let's just be honest. The attack and the testing that Peter is about to undergo is not unique to Peter alone. Later, much later, he will write these words in 1 Peter 5, 8. Be sober-minded. Be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. And he's given testimony. He sought me out. He sifted me. And he devoured me in the moment of my most important test. I failed. I faltered. I screwed up. When Jesus even told me that he had been praying for me and that I was going to need to repent and return to him, even before the rooster crowed, I was going to deny him. Peter knows we need to be aware. We need to be watchful. We need to be absolutely alerted to the attacks of the enemy who comes to kill, steal, and destroy. Friends, we do not need to be naive. We have an enemy who wants Christians to fail, to fall flat on their face, to deny Jesus, to walk away in disobedience. And if Peter was sifted and the other disciples were tested, you can be assured we all will be tested at some point. We will all be tried. Oh, Peter, oh, Peter, 
I've prayed for you. And when you repent, and when you come back, strengthen the others. Now, Peter has some words for Jesus, but then comes verse 34. Peter, it's not even going to be a month from now. It's not even going to be weeks from now. It's not even going to be days from now. I'm giving you this heads up that before tomorrow morning hits, you're going to deny me not once, not twice, but three times. Oh, How devastating that would be to hear from Jesus. And so Peter, who often speaks before he thinks, who often goes out in a blaze of glory, we hear his declaration. And and I want to share with you all four gospel accounts of what Peter responds to Jesus. Now, some biblical commentators will say, well, only one of these things is what he said. I think if you take all four of them and add together, you get the full context, you get the full description. I think this is probably collectively all that Peter said in reply to Jesus. Luke 22, verse 33, he says about this denial and this test, Lord, I'm ready to go to prison with you and even to die with you. Matthew's gospel in the 26th chapter and 35th verse says that Peter responds that even if I must die with you, I will not deny you. John's gospel records it this way in the 13th chapter, verse 37. Lord, why can I not follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. Mark's gospel, the 14th chapter and the 29th verse verse says that Peter said to Jesus, even though they all fall away, I will not. Even though the others are absolutely going to abandon you, I'm not going to. I'm willing to go to prison. I'm willing to lay down my life. I'm willing to die if it requires you, requires of me. I'm not going to deny you. And there's something about Peter's response collectively, if we hear it together, man, I kind of admire I love his heart. I love his passion. But in his confidence and in his assurance, we also get a little hint of his pride. We get a little hint of his arrogance. Man, he's ready to go. He's ready to go to war. If I gotta fight, I will fight. If I gotta die, I gotta die. And I can only assume that in that moment when Jesus predicts his denial, and predicts what's about to happen in the day ahead, that maybe running through Peter's mind is some of the things that he heard from Jesus over this time with him. Maybe through his mind, he remembers what Jesus said in Matthew 16 when he said, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Maybe Peter is remembering, man, Jesus said, I might have to take up my cross to follow him. He could be remembering what Jesus said in Matthew 10, verse 39. Whoever finds his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Maybe he's remembering, man, Jesus said, if you lose your life for him, you will ultimately find it in him. Maybe he's remembering when he went to Bethany with Jesus, and when Jesus was consoling Martha, In the aftermath of Lazarus' death, her brother, when Jesus is giving her words of encouragement and he says to her in John 11, verse 25, 
Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he may die, yet he shall live. Maybe Peter's remembering Jesus said, I might have to take up my cross. Jesus saying, I might have to lose my life. But even in the midst of that, I can remember Jesus's words that even if we die, if we believe in him, we shall live. You see, I believe when we have Jesus's words rooted in our heart, rooted in our soul, rooted in our mind, and when we're tested, those words will give us strength to stand up. It's what builds Peter's confidence. It's what builds his hope. Even as he's about to be tested, he feels pretty certain that he can stand. And friends, we need God's word in our life to hold us up when we're tested the most. You might remember back in 2017, 21 Egyptian brothers were captured and taken to Libya in North Africa. And there on seashore with the Mediterranean Sea behind them, their captors lined them up, all 21 of these brothers, and put them on their knees. They were in orange jumpsuits, and every single one of them was asked to deny Christ and to recant their faith knowing that their life was on the line. And 21 of these brothers, who their captors referred to as people of the cross, men of the cross, each one, when asked to deny Jesus, would not do so. I believe God's word was in their heart. I believe God's spirit was in their life. I believe they were probably quoting the words of Jesus. I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he may die, yet he shall live. I believe they were taking true God's spirit in his word to stand firm. And yet, All 21 of them were beheaded. Friends, we're not talking about the 15 and 1600s. We're talking five years ago. You see, we will all stand and test. Maybe it won't be that serious. Maybe our life will never be in jeopardy. Maybe we will not be asked to go all the way to the point of martyrdom, but we will all face tests. We will all face moments where we need God's word in our life, strengthening us, holding us up, so that when those moments come, the word will give us the strength to stand. Because God's word is God's power in our life. Unfortunately, Peter had great words. I'll go to prison. I'll lay down my life. I'll be willing to die. But his actions fell terribly short. Jesus predicted. Peter declared. But ultimately, Peter denied. If you still have your Bibles, look back to verse 54, Luke chapter 22. From the upper room, they've now moved to the Garden of Gethsemane. The arrest has come because of Judas's kiss. 
And verse 54 tells us that they arrested Jesus and they led him to the high priest's home. And Peter followed at a distance. The other ten disciples all bolt. But Peter kind of stays in the shadows. He stays with the pack. The scripture says, And they, the guards lit a fire in the middle of the courtyard, and they sat around it, and Peter joined them there. If you know the geography, literally the Garden of Gethsemane is here, and then there's this little valley. Caiaphas' house is actually just on the ridge. You can get there in about a five, six-minute walk. It doesn't take quite that long. And so Peter just kind of hovers in. He just kind of follows along. And when they get Jesus to Caiaphas' house, Jesus goes into the trial before Caiaphas. And Peter's just kind of hanging out in the courtyard, hanging out around the fire with the guards. And then, slowly but surely, the denials come. Verse 56 tells us that a servant girl noticed him in the firelight and began staring at him, trying to figure out who he was. And finally, she said, this man was one of Jesus's followers. But Peter denied it. Woman, he said, I don't even know him. After a while, someone else looked at him and said, oh, you must be one of them. No, man, I am not. About an hour later, Someone else insisted, this must be one of them because he is a Galilean. He's got the look, he's got the voice, he's got the accent. He's one of them. And verse 60 says, Peter responded, man, I don't know what you're talking about. And another gospel writer says that Peter cursed with profanity. He swears, I don't know him. Using filthy language to make his point. And then... The rooster crows. Now verse 61 is unique only to Luke. At that moment the Lord turned and looked at Peter. Somehow Jesus has found his way out of the trials before Caiaphas and the other priest. And he now too is in the courtyard. And only Luke describes this look. Only Luke describes this turning of Jesus to Peter as he's saying, I don't know him. I don't know the distance. I don't know if Jesus is down the way and Peter's over here. I don't know if he's still in the shadows or he's out by the light. All I know is as he is denying Jesus for the third time, he's cursing in profanity that he doesn't know him. There comes a look. There comes an eye to eye connection and Jesus looks at him and there the grief and the horror and the absolute failure is ever before him and he leaves crying bitterly that he has denied Jesus. And friends, let me tell you, let me tell you, we will all experience something at some point in our life like this. We will all face spiritual crossroads. We will all face spiritual crossroads. We will all face times when temptation calls us to follow someone other than Jesus. Maybe we're embarrassed to recognize him. Maybe we're ashamed to say we know him. Maybe we're in a group of people who have no relationship with Christ and we don't want to be affiliated with Jesus because we want to be affiliated with them. We want to fit in. 
And so we're at these moments of crossroads. At times, we will all be sifted. We will all be tested. We will all be given a trial in order to say we know him or we don't. And I will tell you, and I will look to myself, and Jesus is looking at every single one of us and wondering, will you stand for him or will you deny him? Will you acknowledge him or pretend you never knew him? We will all face spiritual crossroads. Sometimes it'll happen in the workplace. And maybe your company or your boss will invite you to do something that you know is unethical, that is wrong, that goes against every command of God, and you will stand in a test. Will you obey the boss or will you obey the Lord? Others of us will find ourselves in relationships and the relationships are unhealthy and they're ungodly and they're toxic. And while they may be giving pleasure and giving a sense of fulfillment, we know we're not where we're supposed to be and we'll be at a crossroads and a choice will be allowing us. Do we stand for God and stand for what we know is right or we deny him and go with what feels good and what's convenient? In our spiritual lives and in our private lives, you will face crossroads where sin will be at your footsteps and on your heart and it'll be temptation after temptation and you will have to fight with your very life. Will you stand for Jesus or will you be succumbed to sin? Friends, we will all face spiritual crossroads. And the second point is really, really hard and it's really Unfortunate, but at some point, all of us will fail in our faithfulness. At some point, all of us will fail in our faithfulness. We look at Peter's life and his devotion to Jesus and his strength and his consistency. And in a matter of a few hours around a courtyard, he absolutely shrivels to the point of cowardice. And we think, oh, he failed. He failed his test. He failed Jesus. But I will be honest with you, so have I. And probably if we were honest with each other, so have you. There have been moments when we had the chance to acknowledge Jesus and we chose to deny him. There are moments when we had a chance to stand boldly for Christ and we absolutely buckled because we were embarrassed. At some point, all of us will fail in our faithfulness. But take hope, friends. Romans 3, verse, or Romans 3, verse 10, chapter 3, verse 10 says, there is no one righteous, not even one. We've all made the mistake. We've all fallen short. We've all denied him in every way. Every one of us are included. There was an opportunity where we didn't take the good news to someone that we knew God was pointing us to because we were ashamed. There was a ministry that we knew God was calling us to, but we chose not to do it because we were too busy. There were seasons of hardness in our hearts toward God, a cold distance in the things of the Lord, maybe a sin that repeatedly trapped us time and time again. And we prayed and repented and we asked God for strength, but man, it just kept bringing us down. Friends, I just want to say, 
If any of those things are descriptive of you, you're not alone. Because we will all at some point fail in our faithfulness. But if I could invite the praise team to join me, I want to give you one glimmer of hope. Did Peter deny Jesus three times? Yes, he did. But that morning isn't the end. Because the cross offers hope, restoration, and renewal. Peter's life does not end in that courtyard. Peter's calling doesn't come to a close when the rooster crowed. Peter's life isn't done when he denies Jesus three times. Oh, the cross is still before him. The cross is still ahead. That happens in the morning. Jesus is going to be crucified that afternoon. And Peter is going to be in the surrounding area to see the Lord hung on a tree. But it's not over then. Certainly, Peter will hear Jesus cry from the, from the cross, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they're doing. He's going to hear from the cross. Jesus say it is accomplished, bearing the full weight of sin upon himself. And certainly, even as Peter recognizes Jesus' death, he will also see Jesus raised again. Oh, friends, can I tell you some good news today? Come on, can I tell you some good news? Are y'all with me, church? Can I give you some good news? Because Peter, yes, he's at the cross. Yes, he did fail. But on that first resurrection morning, when the word comes from the women that the tomb is empty, Peter goes and sees for himself. The scripture says that he and John raced to the tomb and John got there first. Apparently, Peter's packed on a few pounds. It's not as quick as he was in his younger days. John gets there and sees the empty tomb, but then Peter goes in and sees that the Lord is no longer there. Certainly, he saw the Lord crucified, but now he knows that the body and the tomb, oh, they're empty. But Peter's not done. At some point there in that day, Jesus will appear to him and he will see the Lord resurrected. And a few days later, as the disciples are back on the water, back actually on the, on the boat like they had been for years, in John chapter 21, we read that Jesus appears on the beach and calls out to them, have you caught any fish? And Peter recognizes that. Oh, that's what happened in Luke chapter 5 when Peter became a follower of Jesus and called to be a fisher of men. He knew that voice. And the scripture says he recognized Jesus before anybody else and he jumps in the water and swims to him while everybody else rows the boat. He's not a smart man. That's a joke. He's, he went for it. But I mean, it's not even then. They get to the beach and Peter is having this conversation with Jesus. And three times Jesus asked Peter, do you love me? Do you love me, Peter? And three times Peter responds, Lord, you know that I love you. And he's being restored. He's being renewed. He sees Jesus in the ascension and he hears Jesus' words that you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria until the ends of the earth. And it's there in Acts chapter two that Peter receives the power of the Holy Spirit in Pentecost and he goes out in the streets and he preaches to thousands of people and thousands come to faith in Christ. We read a little bit more in the book of Acts. Oh, Peter is 
powerfully moved by God to see a lame man and he calls the lame man to walk doing the same miracle he observed Jesus do years before. And the scripture tells us that Peter's life is so emboldened that he begins encouraging the believers in Jerusalem such that a new church is birthed. And he becomes that apostle and that preacher leading that new movement in the face of terrible opposition, in the face of persecution. When other disciples are losing their life, Peter is boldly preaching Jesus in the courtyards and in the temples. Oh, it's not over then. Later in his life, we have Jesus, or excuse me, Peter speaking in the epistles where we have his words in First and Second Peter. And the gospel of Mark, many believe, are Peter's sermons being transmitted to John Mark who takes them down. He's giving his eyewitness testimony to knowing Christ. Even his denial of Christ, he tells that account. He doesn't hide it from anyone. And we know somewhere around 62, 63 A.D., Peter finds his way to Rome, capital of the world. And in some trial and under his judgment, the Roman authorities proclaim that he needs to be crucified. And Peter won't, won't allow it. He prefers to be crucified upside down so not to mirror what he saw Jesus on the cross. And there, in a place called Vatican Hill, he's crucified, so the account tells. He's buried. And of course, that today is where St. Peter's Cathedral now stands and has been so for many, many years. You see, his life wasn't defined in the courtyard. His life was defined after the cross and resurrection. His life wasn't defined in his denial. His life was restored and renewed in the power and the hope of the gospel. Friends, let me tell you, if you have failed, there is hope for all of us who have failed. And that hope comes from Jesus Christ, his death and resurrection, that he who has failed, I have failed, you have failed. He offers forgiveness and restoration and hope and renewal. And God continues to work in us, even in our failures. He has a purpose and a plan for us. And when we repent and we confess and we ask God to renew, he he is faithful and just to take sinners like you and I and make them into his proclaiming people for all the world to see. Amen. Friends, I wonder if this morning maybe you would acknowledge I have denied Jesus at some point and in some way. And today you just want to come to the cross, fall on your knees, repent and confess and ask Jesus to restore and renew. Let me ask you to bow your heads for a moment. I know this message can be a little heavy to think about denying and failing and faltering. But the reality is it's all of our story. And praise be to God, we can look to the cross for forgiveness, restoration, hope, and renewal. If there be any here today that just needs to fall on, G on your knees before Jesus, if you're going through a period of sifting, period of testing, 
You're just asking for God's strength to hold you up, to allow you to stand in the face of persecution and even difficulties beyond your belief. I pray today, if you just need to come before the Lord, I invite you to do so. Don't let your life be defined by denial and failure. Let your hope before God be defined by restoration, renewal, and power. I'm going to say a prayer and then we're going to sing a song of invitation. And if you need to come, this altar is always open. If you want someone to pray with you, I would be honored. I want you to follow the Spirit's leading in any way as you have heard His word today. Let's pray. God, I ask that If any be here today that just need to respond, who need to reflect, who need to call upon you, who need to repent, confess, that we would do what you have called us to do today, that you would move in our hearts and our lives and would be obedient. I pray, Lord, for any who has failed in the past, that you would give them a sense of forgiveness and hope for the future. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.